Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitudes of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. So, I don't know if I've told you this before, um, but I'm a bit of a news junkie. I'm kind of a headline junkie. And I'm not particularly um, political. I... I don't try to wade in on some of the complex issues of politics, but I love, I love reading the news about politics. I don't read, or I don't watch CNN or Fox or MSNBC because you don't really get the news there, right? You just kind of get this, it's almost like a soap opera there. Um, but I like, I like reading insider news. I like reading investigative reporting about things going on. I, I love reading about what's going on in the world and all the drama that's going on in the world. And um, there was a big news headline this week, and I don't know if you guys heard it or know about it, um, but this week a guy by the name of Julian Assange was arrested. Are you familiar with this story? You know Julian Assange? He, was the, uh, he ran WikiLeaks, which was the... Uh, they, they would post online for public viewing confidential information. And he was behind um, a lot of some, some good things, because uh, we found out about some things that the government was doing that wasn't so great, and it kind of changed some of their behavior. But also sometimes, like, bad things. You know, he hacked the Pentagon and um, did, the similar, did a similar thing in the UK and around the world. So when he was arrested, it brought back up to light that there are people who loved Julian Assange. And some reporters loved Julian Assange. And most people really don't like him. They really think he's kind of a snake and not a very good guy. Julian Assange, he had a reputation. And depending on who you talk to, that reputation might be a little bit different. For some people, he was a hero. For some people, he was a villain. At the end of the day, I think that most of us are happy that he's arrested and not, you know, um, doing those things anymore. But this was newsworthy, right? And as we hear this story, 
about Jesus entering into Jerusalem, we kind of get a similar story. People had known about this Jesus uh, for years now. He was very, very famous for his work. He, he entered into the scene proclaiming that the kingdom of God was at hand. And for Jews, this was a very interesting preaching. Because as Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God, what they had known for years was the Roman Empire ruling them. They had known that some of them had lost their jobs, some of them had lost their farms, some of them had lost the land that their great-grandfathers lived in, some of them weren't treated very well by the Romans, and some people really were just fine with whatever. But when Jesus came onto the scene and he proclaimed the kingdom of God, this was an interesting proclamation for people. And so he was very famous. Some people were very disturbed by his teaching. Some people loved his teaching. And as he entered into Jerusalem, um, in this chapter of Luke, as he comes into Jerusalem, we kind of get this kind of dual nature. Jesus had a reputation. Some people loved him. Some people didn't like him. And depending on who you talked to, that reputation was a little bit different. You see, reputations like this, they're perceived. Because you can have a really good reputation and actually be a pretty bad worker. You can have a bad reputation, but actually be a pretty good person. It's just how people perceive you, how people think about you. And it's a little bit like, um, I love Star Wars, because I'm a nerd. Um, but I love Star Wars, and especially the, the early ones, right? The 70s and the 80s. Those were the best ones, no question. And the best Star Wars is The Empire Strikes Back. You guys with me on this one so far? You guys you guys seen this, right? That's the best one. And there's this scene in The Empire Strikes Back where um, Luke flies to the Dagobah system to meet this Jedi Master. And he is looking for this guy. And this Jedi Master has a reputation. And he is, he's the man. He, was, you know, he led the Jedi Council for a long time. He was the man. And when Luke crash lands on this planet, he meets this little green Muppet, and he's kind of weird, and he's annoying, and Luke's like, I'm just looking for this Jedi Master, just help me, you know, help me find this guy. Do you know who he's talking about? And this little green guy was always kind of, you know, playing around with him. But it turns out that that was Yoda, and he was the Jedi Master, right? So who was this very weird green Muppet turned out to be the guy that Luke was looking for. And what we're going to see in our passage today is this kind of thing. There were people who had an expectation, a perception of Jesus. And Jesus, he just, he forgets them. He just bucks all the expectation that people had of him. Let's dive into our scripture. Luke 19, 28. After he had said this, right before this uh, passage, Jesus uh, gives a teaching. He meets um, Zacchaeus. You guys remember Zacchaeus, a wee little man, a wee little man was he, he climbed up in the sycamore tree. You guys know that song, right? Um, so he meets Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector not well liked by his community, and he has lunch with Zacchaeus, which is a big deal to Jews, because that means that he was, having, he was uh, in community with them. He was approving of his lifestyle that way. And, um, and so he has a meal with Zacchaeus, and then he teaches on uh, these three servants. And this is, this is a little bit helpful for the passage that we're going to read. He teaches on these three servants, and one servant he gives a lot of money, one servant, this master, he gives a lot of money, the next servant he gives a little bit less money, and then one servant he gives just a little bit of money, and the master goes off on a trip. 
And the one servant who had a lot, he doubled his money because he worked hard. The servant who was kind of given the medium amount, he doubled it because he worked hard. And then the, the servant who was just given a little bit, he buried it because he was afraid to lose the money. He didn't want to risk it. And so the master comes back and he celebrates these two servants who doubled their money and this servant who didn't do anything with his money. He's like, oh, you wicked servant. I want to take what you have and I want to give it to those who have money already. And what Jesus is teaching on is, hey, you've been given a gift. He's teaching to Zacchaeus. You've been given a gift. What are you going to do with it? Right? And then he enters into Jerusalem or he turns, begins to go toward Jerusalem. So he went on ahead. He went up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was on a, on a hill, on a mountain. So that's why it says going up. He was going up to Jerusalem. And as he gets up to Jerusalem, then he's greeted um, by some people. First of all, the first group is his disciples. And it says this. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples. So this whole big group that was following him. They began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice. For all the deeds of power they had seen. Saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This first group that greets Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem are his disciples. And they are exuberant. They are so happy. And in fact, they're so happy that they begin to sing a song. A song that they would all know. And this is Psalm 118. 118. You can find it in our book of Psalms. Uh, They change it a little bit, um, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but they sing a song, Psalm 118. And Psalm 118 is a song about the king. It's a song about David. The disciples are here. They are proclaiming about Jesus that he is the coming Messiah. He's the the king that will follow David, will reestablish Israel and Jerusalem as uh, a power center of the world. And will rule eternally. This is all that's going on in their mind. And in fact, so much so that they changed this last phrase. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. That's not a direct quote from Psalm 118. But they change it a little bit. And they make it about not only will this king rule the earth, but also the heavens. The cosmos will be at peace because of what this man, how this man rules. And in the Jewish mindset... They were expecting and waiting for a king to come who was going to kick the Romans out, get them out of Jerusalem and out of Israel, and reestablish Israel as a sovereign nation. That's what they were expecting. That's what they were expecting through the Old Testament, um, and it failed several times, where they wanted to be a powerful people. And it's possible that they might have been, had some good intention here too. Because they wanted to bless the whole world. But for them, blessing the world meant being the most powerful people in the world. And then benevolently leading. And benevolently ruling over the rest of the world. They wanted to be an empire. And so they celebrate Jesus. And they wave. uh, They don't wave the palm branches in this passage. um, But we hear about waving the palm branches. And palm branches were a national symbol of Israel at that point. So a little bit like a ticker tape parade. Waving American flags and celebrating. Right? This is kind of what this is. Waving the palm branches, laying out the cloaks, um, so that Jesus' donkey doesn't even get his feet dirty, right? They're celebrating Jesus as king, as an earthly king. And an earthly king who's going to rule so well that even the heavens are going to be at peace. He's going to kick out the Romans and he's going to rule. Finally, Israel will be top. Israel will be the top dog. Israel will be 
the empire, and we will rule lovingly over the whole world. That's how the disciples responded. How the Pharisees responded, which the Pharisees were the religious rulers at this time, um, some religious leaders. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Now, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus has some tension with the Pharisees. Um, They don't really like each other a whole lot. He kind of calls them out on some things. And some of the Pharisees are like, hey, uh, this guy, he's, he's he's a heretic. He's calling himself the son of God, the son of man. He's placing himself at God's right hand. He's crazy. This guy's a lunatic. Some Pharisees we know uh, might have been pretty soft to his teaching. Maybe even thought he was a good teacher, even interpreting the, the law, interpreting the Old Testament correctly. And there are some Pharisees who became his followers. We know that's the case for at least one of them. But these Pharisees, they, they see this kind of the showing of military celebration. Palm branches, laying down cloaks. Um, They're quoting Psalm 118, a royal psalm. And they're like, Jesus, you have to get these guys to stop. The Romans are here. They're listening. This isn't even right, Jesus. You know that you're not the king. You're just a rabbi. Tell them to stop. The Pharisees, they were pretty cold on Jesus. They weren't very interested in Jesus as king. The disciples, they were very excited about Jesus. They were very excited about welcoming him in. To Jerusalem. But there are some other, that's pretty cut and dry, right? And that, that sounds about right. Yeah, the disciples are the good guys, and oh, boo, the Pharisees are the bad guys, right? Disciples got it right, the Pharisees didn't. But the context that we see changes that perception a little bit. This is what happens before uh, the disciples celebrate Jesus. When he had come near Bethphage in Bethany, At the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter into it, you will find there a colt, the foal of a donkey, that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now let me ask you a question. If you were um, a military leader, let's transport ourselves back 2,000 years. If you were a military leader, what kind of animal would you ride? Probably a horse, right? Horses are fast, they're strong, they're tall, you can pull a sword out and you can, you know, chop down people with it. But no, he asks for a donkey. And not just any donkey, but a baby donkey. Bring me a young donkey and I'll ride it. What's a donkey? What, what, when, do you, when do you use a donkey? You don't use it for war, right? Donkeys aren't fast. And they're not, they're not easily, you can't navigate them very well, right? There's a reason that we, that we call them stubborn, right? They're, they're a peacetime animal. They're a work animal. You use a donkey on a farm, not on a battlefield. And Jesus asks for not a war horse, but a donkey. And there's actually a really cool, um, Jesus kind of hyperlinks. Um, you, know, you guys know hyperlinks when you're on a website, and there's like a blue letters, and you click it, and it takes you to another website, right? That's called a hyperlink. This is a hyperlink back to 1 Kings 1, um, where David, and this is a quick story. David is the king, but he's getting old. And he has a couple of sons, and they're kind of vying, they're kind of doing this, this politics, this power play. And they're trying to one-up each other. And Solomon, David's son, is the true heir. Solomon is the one who's going to be king. But David has another son who's trying to like get people on his side. He's playing politics. He's like, well, if I get this priest and this prophet and this group of people on my side, then I'll be anointed as king, and then we can just get rid of Solomon. And when my, when my father dies, then I'll be king. 
And so this other brother, he does this, right? He gets all these people on his side and he's getting ready to go be anointed. And David gets wind of this and he's an old man and he's bedridden. And he tells his servants and he tells his son Solomon, he goes, go and get my mule and have Solomon ride it and confront his brother. Don't take the war horse, take the mule. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's taking the mule, he's taking the donkey. And David was so sure of God's plan. He was so sure of who he was and who Solomon, his son, was that he didn't even want to give Solomon a war animal. He says, you take, you take a mule. You're not even going to be prepared to fight a battle. You take the donkey, you take the peacetime animal, and I'm so sure that you're king, you ride that bad boy into that space. You ride that behind enemy lines. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's riding a peacetime animal. He is making a statement here that the way that he's going to rule the earth is not through military might. Where the disciples might have been expecting um, tanks, right? And those sorts of things, rolling and rumbling into Jerusalem. Instead, Jesus drives like a, a Prius, right? It's like that kind of thing. Not ready for war. Not ready for a battle. He drives a peacetime animal. He rides it in. He bucks the expectation. Sorry for the pun. He bucks the expectation that the disciples have. They want a military ruler. He rides a peacetime animal. He does this for the Pharisees as well. The Pharisees say, Jesus, stop. You know, tell your disciples to stop. And it would have been easy for Jesus to do this. Um, because the Romans were there, right? This is kind of a military nationalistic celebration. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, you know what? This is kind of dangerous. Yeah. You guys just chill out. We'll celebrate me being king later when we're in private. But he doesn't do that. He answers the Pharisees, I tell you, if these, his disciples, were silent, the stones would shout out. Not only is Jesus riding a peacetime animal, but he is also allowing people to proclaim his kingship. Right in the heart where there was another king, right in the heart where Roe was ruling them, he was willing to let people proclaim his rule and his kingship. And he didn't stop them. So, he frustrates the reputation that the Pharisees have, have of him. He just leans into it. He doubles down on it. He says, you know what? I am the Son of God. I am this Messiah. And he polarizes the Pharisees even more. And they really don't like him after this. And he also frustrates the expectations of the disciples. Because they want a military ruler. And he says, I'm not going to rule with a sword. I'm going to rule with a cross. I'm going to sacrifice myself. By dying is how I will rule. We are much like the disciples. Or we're like the Pharisees. There are some of us in here who like to think of Jesus as this kind of um, almost military-like ruler. And generally what that looks like is that means that Jesus is on, he agrees with your politics, right? And by my politics or my uh, way of life or my culture being the dominant one ruling, that's Jesus ruling. Some of us are like the Pharisees where we just... Maybe we don't like Jesus. Maybe we've been burned by the church, or uh, we just think he was made up, right? Some people think he's just a figment of imagination. 
Some people think that he's a good teacher, but his followers just took it too far. Some people just think he's a lunatic, and he's lost it. We can, we come to Jesus with all sorts of expectations and all sorts of perceptions about him. And it's a little bit like when Luke goes and sees Yoda. We expect one thing, and then when we see Jesus as he really is, we don't even recognize him. This week, we are entering into Holy Week. And we're going to hear some hard things this week. I, I love Palm Sunday uh, because it, there's a temptation to lean into the celebration. But this is an ironic passage. Right after Jesus gets celebrated into Jerusalem, he weeps over Jerusalem. His disciples are celebrating, but Jesus is not celebrating on this day. When he goes to the cross, Jesus talks about the cross as, it is, as if it were his throne. He tells the, the Sanhedrin, he tells the court, he says, from now on, right before, this is right before he's crucified, he says, from now on, you will see the Son of Man glorified. To Jesus, the cross is his throne. The cross is his glorification. And we're going to be tempted as we go through this Holy Week to put a filter up. To just have our our expectation of Jesus. What I want to invite you guys to do um, is to sacrifice that perception. Sacrifice... Uh, that reputation that you have of Jesus. Sacrifice that expectation that you have. Because we're going to hear things like, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you can't be a part of me. We're going to hear things like Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. At the point where he was weakest is when he did his work the best. We're going to hear some hard things that don't make sense to us. Because we have an expectation of Jesus. Because we have a perception. Because he has a reputation with us. So I wanted to invite you guys um, to just try to hit reset. I invite you guys to trade in, to trade your reputation, the the, the perception that you have of Jesus. Trade Jesus' reputation for the reality of who he is. Take off your hearts um, all the expectations that you have of him. Take off all the things that you think you know of him. And as we walk through this Holy Week, I invite you guys to experience Jesus for who he is. The Son of God, who washes feet, who died for us, who was enthroned on the cross, and then invites us to remember and to participate in his suffering by eating his body and by drinking his blood. It's radical, guys. The world does not understand it. Some of you in this room don't understand it. It's such an upside-down way of looking at the world. But if you trade in this reputation, uh, if you trade Jesus' reputation for his reality, for who he really is, that's when we will begin to experience the power of sacrifice. I'm so glad you're happy for-